Squad, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast Deadpool Spoilers Special. Yes, it's the latest in our series of podcasts dedicated to discussing the minutiae of a new release and joining me today to chew the fat over the phenomenally successful relaunch of Marvel's Merc with a Mouth are two Empire writers, uh, the real heroes here, if you will, uh, Helen O'Hara. Hello. And Johnny Pyle. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. I'm also well. This is good, Johnny. Uh, A third writer, John Nugent, may or may not be joining us at some point during the podcast. Uh, The tension could not be any thicker. It really couldn't. Uh, Before we get into the spoiler special, let's let's hear, uh, as is tradition, uh, some spoilerific sass from someone who's involved with the movie. Uh, Again, a warning, if you've never listened to an Empire spoiler special, we discuss everything that happens in the film. Uh, so if you haven't seen Deadpool, if you are one of the four people on the planet who apparently have not seen Deadpool now, uh, then then stop listening to this. Go away, watch the film, come back, and then listen to this. That seems fair, doesn't it? That seems reasonable. That seems entirely sensible. Okay, good. Have they gone? Good. Are they back? Good. Even better. Right, so this is the uh, an interview I did with the man who shepherded Deadpool to the big screen across 11 painful years he's the producer of the film and perhaps more importantly the man who plays Wade Wilson and Deadpool Ryan Rodney Reynolds Uh, now sadly we were up against it here uh, time wise so this isn't as long as our usual spoiler special chats it's certainly not the three hour Chris McQuarrie epic it's about 10 maybe 11 minutes Uh, but Reynolds is very very funny and gave good spoiler about a great many things including entertaining one of my one of my personal theories about this film with good humour. Enjoy. Uh, we're <coughs> delighted to be joined on the Empire podcast by Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds. I want to start off the spoiler section by talking about the the very 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 end of the film, which is the post credit sting, which yeah. is perfection. The first yeah. take. <laughs> yeah. uh, was that the only option for you guys? Did you discuss other things as well? Oh yeah, we t- we had a ton of discussions. I mean, we we went so far as to see if we could actually cast and costume a cable. Right. And find some way to, you know, even just introduce him slightly. But, um, you know, we felt like the Ferris Bueller kind of feel or theme was so perfect for Deadpool, yeah. so perfect for its meta pop culture references. And um, we shot that in five minutes. I mean, it was just a five. <laughs> we, we just rolled, we just plopped the camera down. I sort of studied how Matthew Broderick walked out and we did a whole bunch of versions. I mean, some versions where where I one version where I went into like a like a three minute Mel Gibson tangent, um, <laughs> another one you know they're all sort of you know we had different iterations but it, but we ended up settling on this uh, this version. Now did you see the full full version? So you saw I I hope so. I don't so know. did you see Deadpool come out talk uh-huh. about we don't have enough money for a, a real tag? Yes. Go back in and then come out again and mention Cable. No. Okay. I didn't see that. Oh, there you so go. now we're really now, spoiling. I've got, I've got what's cable and an empire reference as well. So um, okay. well, this, no, this... because I think what they what they did was does the spoiler thing go out before the movie comes after, out or after? after? Okay, what they did was they to the press they didn't to, to anyone they didn't show the cable version. So so okay. actually when you if if you sit through the movie again you will see a different tag at the end. You will see the same tag and then you will see an additional piece. Deadpool pops back out again and says, "Oh, one more thing." And then explains Cable's role within the <laughs> X-Men universe. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. I remember yeah. the first time they showed uh, Iron Man, they didn't show the Nick Fury sting to press no, either. of course, yeah. So. Unbelievable. scallywags. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about how Deadpool fits into the X-Men universe. I have a theory. Now, obviously Deadpool breaks the fourth wall, mm-hmm. but he does 
reference directly to Colossus, Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy as Professor X. So my theory is this, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. that this movie takes place in the real world where the X-Men actually exist and the movies we know as the X-Men movies exist in that world, which is why you can have Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy references. Mind Am I wrong? Blown. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Or have I just made up? <laughs> um, wow. Uh, yeah, that was. Have that's, I been overthinking that's, this? That's pretty good. You've been thinking about it. That's for sure. I don't know if you've been overthinking. You can't overthink that. That's just. That's just. That was just sexy, Chris. That's just sexy. I no, feel I a try. gentle shift in my khakis right now. Oh, <laughs> I do try. Wow. So mm. right, right or wrong, right or wrong. I don't even smoke. But do you have a cigarette? <laughs> that's good. Can't smoke in here, man. No, I know. Oh, we're on camera. It's not a denial. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. That wasn't a denial. So, Did you think about how that fits into... A little bit. Yeah. But, you know, to be honest, we just we just go for the sort of meta punch that the one that, that diehard X-Men fans and comic book fans in general are going to love, so... Okay. Yeah. There's, a, there's a point where uh, Deadpool goes to the X-Mansion and makes a comment about the fact that he only ever meets a Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Colossus because yeah, yeah. he can't afford any other X-Men. Yes. How true was that? Uh, okay, it was very true, and I only said that in one take to make Rhett, Reese, and Paul Wernick laugh <laughs> because we went through such hell developing the script and developing which X-Men we could keep and which we couldn't and uh-huh. just turned it into such a nightmare. The studio would just say, too expensive, too expensive, too expensive to everybody. Okay. So finally, we're like, what about Negasonic Teenage Warhead? And they were like, Negasonic what? <laughs> and I was like, well, first of all, I'm quoting you because now that's a line in the movie. <laughs> Negasonic Teenage, what the shit? Um and they just said, they said, well, yeah, sure, you can have Negasonic Teenage Warhead. She appears in one comic book. Like, we just own the name, you yeah. know? And the name is actually from a rock song, yeah, uh, yeah. from a death metal group, I think. Okay. But, uh, so, yeah, that was just a, kind of a little throwaway to make the writers laugh, and uh, and it somehow ended up in the movie. Actually, gets a huge laugh with the audience. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it was fun. Yeah. So, uh, were there, how many discussions took place about other X-Men? And, and, and uh, how, Pretty endless, yeah. you know? Yeah, we had Taskmaster was in the script originally. Okay. Um, yeah. Too expensive. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but uh, no, there was lots of different. You know, we we had we had versions where we wanted Hugh Jackman in there. We wanted all kinds of little cameos from different people, but it just becomes a big mess, you know, yeah. for the studio. They just start going, wow, schedules, money, everything, you know. So why why Colossus? Well, Colossus had never really been done done justice, I think, in the comic book. So for us, it was it was really about kind of getting an opportunity to to put these guys up on the screen in a way that comic book fans expect, you know, mm-hmm. and also just. I think there's something of a um, we're quite religious about you know making sure that everything we do is, is canon as possible. Like even Deadpool suit, you know, we wanted that to be the most faithful yeah. comic book to screen adaptation ever done. And and you know Colossus was no exception. We wanted Negasonic Teenage Warhead in the X Men costume, the one that's in the yeah. comics. So you know all those things were fun for us. And um, we also just like that Colossus is like this incredibly righteous character who you know just works perfectly as Deadpool straight man and we we loved that and you know it's also refreshing i think to have like the one russian good guy in a movie ever <laughs> which felt good so you know crushing that stereotype <laughs> good point yeah. Uh, and of course, Colossus plays a big part in trying to persuade Deadpool to join the side of the angels, which you reject fairly unequivocally at the end by by Killian Ajax. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> in all pure Deadpool fashion. Yeah. Again, was that tough to persuade a studio to do that to have the hero of the movie kill the bad guy in, in I, cold blood? I would venture a guess that that the studio didn't read that far into the <laughs> script. <laughs> I'm not actually kidding. I think I don't. I don't think. I just think that. 
that must have that must have come up, and it, and I produced the movie, so it would come up to me first. I mean, they would, they would come talk to me and Tim, and, mm. and you know, see what we say. So I, no one ever mentioned anything about it. So okay, yeah. okay, it's uh, possible they just you know supported the movie. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there are but, crazier things have happened. But it feels absolutely right from Deadpool's point of view that yeah. that is something he would do. Hundred percent. Deadpool's a morally flexible person with superpowers. I wouldn't say he's a superhero, he's in, you know, but he's a morally flexible guy. You have to have that. Mm. I mean, if I got my way in the movie more, he would be downright, you know, he would walk that tightrope of just utterly detestable and the most enjoyable character you've ever met. <laughs> Which seems like a nice segue into the tiny hand. Yes. How tricky. I mean, where did that come from, the idea of that? and That was just something that evolved. I mean, we had Deadpool cutting his arm off, and then, you know, I, I loved all these like these moments where he's, you know, flipping backwards on the bridge and, and you know, are you there, guard? God, it's me, Margaret. Like, all these, like, just hideous inside references to, uh, you know, stuff that you don't really want to talk about in a superhero movie. <laughs> um, you know, uh, that, so that, that just came from that. We thought, okay, it's the logical next step. You say, okay, how long is he going to take to regenerate? Like, how, this is... We're going to put this to the test right now. He just lost an appendage. What happens? So um, we just decided we, the timeline would be, you know, over the course of about eight or nine, ten hours. You know? Okay. It's the first time I've ever seen a superhero masturbate. Yeah, he's actually, he's a ferocious masturbator in the movie. Just, I mean, it's a gladiator-style contact sport. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a wild lion. It's both hungry and horny all at once. Yeah. Have you ever met a super villain whose power was masturbation? Would Deadpool win? <laughs> oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? And how do you know that's not one of his superpowers? <laughs> very, very yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, very, very quickly, you've got to race through some very, very quick things. Uh, Careless Whisper. Yeah. Why Careless Whisper? Um, that's just one of the one of the songs that was in the script from the get go. I think that was Rhett and Paul. I think that was that was okay. something that they they loved, and then I, I of course co opted as my own as well, and just fell in love with it. And uh, just a little stroke of genius, I think, from Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Yeah. Uh, and Stanley's cameo. Can you talk about that? Yeah, Stanley's cameo. We ended up uh, putting Stanley in a in a uh, adult sort of um, a burlesque <laughs> club, a strip joint, and uh, and I think it's one of the greatest Stanley cameos ever. Ever. Um, He's in his element. He, he, he looks like he loves it. He really is. I, I I wasn't sure if we extended his life by twenty years or <laughs> we're going to actually critically injure him by having him stare at those women. Uh, but he seemed to have a good time. So, <laughs> and very last thing, where can Deadpool go next? I mean, you mentioned Cable. Maybe yeah, seeding, yeah. Seeding that. I think you know the natural sort of uh, uh, progression is Cable X Force. Hopefully, um, I, I'd really like to see an X Force. I'd like to see X Force to go and be rated R as well, and, and, and ha- have the flexibility to do that stuff in there. You know, if Deadpool does what they want it to do, then it, it affords you that ability to kind of do that. So, but there's a mil- it's 25 years of comics to, to, yeah. to mine from. There's lots to do. And we we have a we have a story beaten out that we'd like to tell, and, and hopefully we'll we'll get the opportunity to do that. So you're working on a script or just a story beat at the moment? Uh, we are on a script. We are well into a script. But Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I wish you all, all the best. Thank Ryan, you, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you, so you very much. much. Pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. So that was Ryan Reynolds there uh, talking spoilers and talking spoiler stuff, uh, including the second sting. And now, look at this. John Nugent has arrived. Hello. Hello, John Nugent. Hello. What was your excuse for being late? Oh, traffic, elephant and castle, tube, bus, train. All those things. Plane. Yeah, yeah. Elephants yeah. All, in the traffic? All delayed. It doesn't sound plausible to me. Yeah, certainly not in London. <laughs> There's no traffic in London. Um, okay, so let's talk Let's talk Deadpool. Now, we usually record the spoiler special way before the movie comes out um, because of various reasons we're recording it now after the movie's come out, uh, which has given us... It's actually a bit of a boon because now we know that Deadpool, 
the movie is a huge success, a phenomenal success. It、mm. has broken all kinds of records in the states. It is the biggest R-rated opening of all time. Of all time, it is the biggest X-Men-related movie opening of all time. It made in one <laughs> weekend more money than the Wolverine made in its entire run in the states. It did also very well over here, I believe, in the in the UK. Yeah. Sort of, it's usually divide by ten and replace the dollar sign with a pound sign. That's exactly how it、That's、did here. That's exactly how it did here. I don't have the maths、uh, capability. Thirteen point six million. Thirteen million. Pounds, million. I believe, okay,、yeah. there you go. That, Which I, is very, I, actually, very I, strong for the UK. I could have done that. Yeah, I、probably. could have figured that out. Divide、yeah. by ten. I,、uh, yeah, I could have done that.、Uh, but it's it's absolutely huge. It's something like the seventh biggest comic book movie opening. Of all time, it is bigger than all but three Marvel movie openings. I think it's bigger than Man of Steel. Am I it's right? It's bigger than Man of Steel.、Uh, it 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 is. It's a strange one. Robert Kirkman,、uh, the creator of The Walking Dead, a few weeks ago、uh, went to a fan screening and tweeted from it.、Uh, I've just seen Deadpool. It's a game changer, and I kind of get what he was talking about now. What, what do you think the success of Deadpool means? Well, why do you think it was successful? First of all, and and what does it mean going forward for for the.、Uh, For the genre, I think it found the right tone for its character, which I think is really, really important. And I think that's what the best comic book movies have done. I think that's what Richard Donner's Superman did.、Um, I think that's what Avengers did, and the best of the Marvel movies. I think it's getting that tone right is everything. And I think what's interesting, been, I've read a lot of articles about the lessons that Hollywood is going to take from this success.、Uh, one of the best, of which is is one I know you've read as well, Chris, the James Gunn、mm-hmm. Facebook post saying, "Don't take the wrong lessons from this." Yeah,、um, and that is really important. It's about finding the right tone for your character and not necessarily trying to Deadpoolize. Everything else, and also communicating that tone through the marketing.、Definitely. I think what a lot of people are saying is that the marketing for this film is among the best we've seen in, in a long time, and it really that the sort of character and the style and the humour of Deadpool really shone through, which is not something you see in marketing very often,、mm. mm. especially I mean, for superhero movies. Yeah. Or super amazing, amazing poster that they released, which made it look like a romantic comedy, and it said Valentine's Day, <laughs> true love waits, or something. True、like、love、that. never dies. True love never dies.、Yeah. I thought that's genius, and it's and you know they had huge billboards in in Los Angeles with this thing. Yeah, and, and that's and, very and with brave. Em- and with emojis and yeah. the film style. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think Ryan Reynolds really threw himself into marketing for this. I, mean, I remember speaking to people. Uh, when he was over here in the UK, and they said he's just working, he's just working relentlessly. He's doing as much as he possibly can do to get the to get the word out there because he feels, he, he probably still feels evangelical about this character. But I think I think you're absolutely right that the marketing in this movie was fantastic, and it also went a long way to saying, hey, if you do remember this character from X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> We've got it right now. Forget we're, it. Yeah, we're, we're doing we're doing okay. I think it's got a large part to do with the success. Johnny, what do you what do you feel? Johnny having Johnny wrote the Empire review of Deadpool, a three star review, of, which is a recommendation. Which is a recommendation, absolutely. Helen and I are on the higher spectrum. I would say、uh, so. John Nugent, where are you on this spectrum? I'd say I'm I'm between a three and a four, probably a high three, three point、okay. five, three point、okay. seven. Have you seen it with an audience? Has anyone here seen it with an audience? I have. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I, I、okay. saw it with a big audience, and it was it was very entertaining to see that crowd. They they lapped it up. Yeah, yeah. It plays gangbusters.、Mm. I've I've、really、seen、is. it with、uh, two big audiences now.、I've、seen it three times in total. I've seen it with、uh, two audiences. One was a group of Deadpool fans who loved every single moment, and then there was a an audience of Pain fans the other day. I went to see it on Friday night, opening night, and it was fascinating. So there was a a large group at the front who loved every second, and then there were people next to 
myself and my wife who just were appalled by the whole thing and just <laughs> they, you know, they, they were, it was almost like they needed permission to laugh at some point it was like oh is this am I meant to be laughing at and this and did they get into it no not really not at all <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of times towards the end it, I think it's impossible not to laugh at you shit spackled muppet fart <laughs> Well, John <laughs> already he's going already he's going but Johnny what, what's your what's your take on, on the success of Deadpool what's that what's I mean that um, I saw it coming obviously uh, there was huge debates in the office and I was saying no this will be bigger than the Wolverine I said <laughs> <laughs> in one weekend yeah. do you know what it does I make remember you think words. it does make you think that actually of all the X-Men movies the Wolverine would have really benefited from an R rating imagine because everybody was kind of okay with it until that very CG heavy ending. Imagine if instead of that ending, you could have had just a blood-soaked fight Deadpool to the death. With his cock out. <laughs> I mean, if if that's what floats your boat, Johnny, then fine. It is. But we should probably talk about how badly they just screwed this character up, just briefly in X Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I mean, there's a very simple way to. Show. I mean, he's the merc with a mouth and. His mouth was sewn up. I mean, you can't just. You, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like Batman with no bats. It's like it's like Superman doesn't wear the suit, can't fly, and fights a giant spider at the end. <laughs> Who on earth would even what, begin to try and do what that? What kind of an idea? What, what sort of um, monster? Uh, yeah. But it, you know, when you go back and watch that film, which I don't try and recommend. It's absolutely awful, but the, but the thing is, you can see just what a perfect fit for that character Ryan Reynolds yeah, is. Yeah, that early scene where he comes in as Wade Wilson mm. and cuts his way through an entire room with a couple of swords yeah. is cool, and you're like, all right, I got it, yay, Wade Wilson, I'm having fun, and then everything else happens and the fun stops. Yeah, you can actually see almost this, the, <laughs> the Cape Early hashtag sadness in his eyes as, <laughs> as uh, that does one for the uh, international listeners, uh, as you can. Uh, you know, when he comes back at the end as Deadpool with his mouth shut, shut so and shut, and I, I like the uh, the references throughout the movie to that. The uh, the little well, first of all, there's a Green Lantern reference in the opening in the, in the opening uh, credit sequence, mm-hmm. and then of course there's the uh, the cutaway <laughs> the cutaway to the the uh, the Weapon X toy, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, which I think is juxtaposed with a line saying, you know, do you think that's as bad as it can possibly get? No, it's <laughs> it, it can get even worse. Uh, it's something like that. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then there's a, a line uh, where Agent Smith says to Wade Wilson, he says, you know, you're going to show my mouth shut, and they say, well, no, you know, we're not going to. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just little little references like that. I think were were, were very funny, and I th- I feel in in a way that Ryan Reynolds and and Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Uh, in particular, those three were the keepers of the flame for this character. Yeah. And I, I imagine, I know some people, we've had discussions in the office about some people were disappointed that this movie didn't push the craziness that far. That it's actually, when you look at it, a fairly conventional movie that just happens to have a character who is insane at its, at its heart. But it doesn't, well, it breaks the fourth wall, but it doesn't push that. There's no Mel Brooks, Brazen Saddles-esque moment where it the film becomes where it's a film not even uh, a gremlins 2 kind of bit yeah there's nothing there's nothing like that and i do i do wonder if they wanted to push it that far but they couldn't i think ryan reynolds hinted in the interview that there were some there was there was still some studio interference there was still some studio uh concerns about how out there this character was um i'd love to see where they go with the sequel well that's the thing they now have you know a they're blank not, check to do whatever they like. Do you have a blank check to do whatever you like? Have, I don't think you do. I, be, I believe they have... <laughs> like 10 I believe, billion. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they now have Kate Blanchett. Uh, yeah. um, so, this is the thing. So, that at least they have somewhere to go with the sequel. Yeah. Because it'd yeah. be terrible if, you know, having 
this opportunity now to do wonderful things with this character and push it even further, they were like, oh, well, we've kind of blown our load here. This is it. This is it. Like, what, what else do we do? And then they start to get into self-parody, but now they have somewhere for this character to grow, mm. and I think that is a nice thing to have. I mean, the, the film's only really two action scenes and a bunch of flashbacks. What's the thing, actually, so... that the plot is almost not there. Mm. There's, no, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing to it. It's all about this character, and the character is what makes this the entire film compelling. What was interesting, what didn't so much work for me is the scenes where, the sort of romantic scenes where we're learning about the, his relationship and, and that, that sort of backstory. Because those, that, those do seem very conventional and I would have mm. loved if there was a bit more sort of, I don't know how you break a fourth wall with romance, but do you know what I mean? It, well, it felt like the film got slightly bogged down by, by trying to give it a bit of seriousness, a bit of heart, when it yeah. could have just t- taken the piss somehow. But then... Yeah. Well, I don't think it was a very conventional romance. No. I think that's, it's, well, it, you know... I just think about that, that relationship between Vanessa, um, who strangely is, is copycat in the comics and was depowered here, mm. uh, which is an interesting choice. I can see why they did Women it. Women in fridges. It's, it's not necessarily that, but I, I also do feel that... I don't know, you know what that means. It's um, a, a comic book term. Women often get depowered or killed off. It's not an Indiana Jones 4 reference. No, yeah. it's not. But I'm, yeah. actually, I'm actually glad, in a way, that, that it did happen, because I don't... I didn't want what happened to X-Men Origins Wolverine and to a lesser extent to Wolverine to happen to this film, which is everybody's a mutant and everyone has a power. Sure, everyone yeah. does something. She does turn into a damsel in distress, which is a shame because that character comes into it and their their repartee is really sparky and raunchy and funny and they have that really interesting uh, meat cute, if you will, mm-hmm. where they're, 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 well, they're, they, are, they are meeting. The parts of her body are meeting. Uh, that really lovely montage uh, mm. where they're just <laughs> relentlessly pounding each other <laughs> while you know we, we go through Calendar Girl. I really like that. And then Vanessa, her edges get kind of sawn off a little bit and she becomes just another conventional damsel in distress mm. who just happens to be a stripper or you know, whatever yeah, well, she, she is. Yeah, she gets a couple more good lines at the end, but that's mm. true. And the, the, she kind of disappears in the middle section. She does, very, very much so. But um, maybe, maybe Copycat can sort of come through in the sequel perhaps they can find some way to give her powers or something I'm not sure well clearly now they're showing that you know anyone can become a mutant yeah you, know, you have latent mutant genes which is a, an interesting way of opening up the, the X-Men universe but yeah. I, I do feel that those nods towards conventional movie thinking must have been studio imposed to an extent you know that there's this feeling that you have to have heart you have to have some sort of emotional integrity there uh, to counterbalance the fact that, as we said, your lead character is a psychopath. <laughs> uh, but for me, the, that, while I enjoyed the Wade Wilson elements and while I enjoyed the, some of the flashback stuff, it almost feels in a way that you almost have to wade through that stuff to get to the Deadpool, yeah, pun intended, uh, to get to the Deadpool stuff, which is so fun and so full of energy and so funny. The Mitz movie is funnier than most comedies have been released in the last couple of years it's mm, that's true it made me laugh a lot a lot a lot do you yeah. not think though that you need those moments of almost quiet just to like catch yourself and start again otherwise you're just going to be it's just relentless I do wonder what it would be like if you had Deadpool for an entire movie Pe- I mean people were calling it relentless as it is in yeah. some reviews I've read so yeah. you know I think I think there probably is something to that you need something kind of as a as a as a baseline and I think you know um, John what you were saying before the the reason that there wasn't a bit more um, Deadpool-y twist to the the early love scenes is I think they were trying to limit the Deadpooliness before Deadpool. Mm. You know, so you've, you, you're kind of... I mean, they, they did leave in that one joke that everybody loved in the trailer about the green suit. But otherwise, you know, Wade Wilson is played pretty straight. Oh, yeah, Wade mm. Wilson doesn't break the fourth wall at all until he becomes Melty Skin Man. And 
He's only well, the gr- there's the green uh, yeah. suit. Though. Yeah, he does say that before he goes under. But he doesn't say it to the camera. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't say it to the yeah. camera. Tree. So, uh, so he, you know, he 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 remains resolutely within the framework of the film uh, until he becomes Deadpool. And in fact, uh, during the during the montage where he's going through uh, the the group of goons in the attempt to get to Francis, who I don't know if you notice this on in his little serial killer FBI agent sort of framework that he has on his wall, which is you know leading through the, all the, the goons and henchmen towards Francis. I don't know if you notice this. Francis is wearing a crown of dicks. <laughs> I don't know if anyone noticed that. <laughs> I did notice you? that. <laughs> it's it's one little little. Touch. I think maybe oh, I was sweet. just immune to so many dicks. <laughs> I just, uh, it just passed me by. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, Wade Wilson breaks the fourth wall a couple of times once he's Deadpool, so yeah. without the mask. And that kind of threw me a little bit. But, um, so, you know, I just I almost wanted Deadpool himself under the mask just to, just to do that. But that's just a personal quirk. But I, I, I love those. I, otherwise, I love those moments. So right. potentially, this, this sequel. And I realise we're speculating on a sequel that hasn't even officially been confirmed yet. But if it's post Deadpool entirely, mm-hmm. we're not going to see any pre-mutation Wade, right? Unless so, there's flashbacks. Unless there's flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> there could be more flashbacks. But I, I guess what I'm saying is potentially this sequel could be an entirely Deadpool, an entirely fourth wall break, and an entirely sort of fuck you mm. uh, movie. Well, yeah. obviously this the second the uh, and by second I mean later. Um, introduced credit sting at hints at cable. In fact, it doesn't hint at cable. It promises <laughs> yes, cable. It promises cable yeah. um, straight up, and there's already a, a fan campaign to cast Stephen Lang, who certainly looks the part. Which is, uh, I think, being led primarily by Stephen Lang. I mean, probably <laughs> at, the, at yes. this point. But at the same time, you know, who are we to argue? He's really large. We're not going to argue. You with don't him. argue with the slang if, you, <laughs> if he wants to take it out. But this is interesting. And uh, so the idea that Cable, because obviously Deadpool and Cable is a comic book, they're a partnership in the, in the comic books. Uh, very funny, very successful one. Obviously, they, they, they have counterpoints, which, which work nicely against each other. But Cable in the movies is going to be an interesting one. And how this <laughs> movie fits in with the X-Men Movies, or should we say now that this movie's been such a success, will the X Men movies have to fit in with Deadpool? But yeah, it does well, feel there's... like a seven movie prequel uh, series <laughs> just leading up to the main events now. Well, the, I mean, the interesting thing obviously is the X. <laughs> so Cable comes from in uh, the X Men's generally speaking a potential future. He is the son of Scott Summers, Cyclops, mm-hmm. and Jean Grey. Madeline Pryor. Madeline Pryor, I apologise, who is, of course, the clone of Jean, clone Grey. Of Jean Grey. I mean, I can't believe I got that wrong. How <laughs> I, embarrassing for I me. Know. Uh, he comes back in time to try and yes, save his he world. Is, so, very, very short recap of, of Cable. Uh, Nathan Christopher Summers, he is born to Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor he is uh, infected with a techno virus at birth so to save to save his son Cyclops sends his son into the future where the techno virus will be cured but it's not really cured it's just abated and so Cable has a uh, sort of bionic arm and a weird eye and, uh, and then he comes back from the future uh, years later as an old man so he's older than Cyclops so this is an awful lot of backstory to back in for I think a character. they probably just won't bother yeah they probably won't bother it's but a tale as point. old as time <laughs> <laughs> you know boy meets girl boy meets girl's clone boy has son with girl's clone <laughs> son of boy and girl's clone get sent to future I mean it's yeah. it's pretty obvious yeah. um, Shakespeare wrote it that <laughs> yes yeah. he did yeah he called it Titus Andronicus yeah. anyway um, yeah so, so Cable and Deadpool are very unlikely pairing in the sense that Cable is pretty serious Pretty focused, yeah. 
pretty straight. Stephen Lang, essentially. Stephen Lang, yeah. essentially. He's he's enormous as well. Yeah, or Kira Knightley, as 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 Ryan Reynolds says in the uh, in the Sting. Yes, I mean, uh, it's, she's got it's, range. The two of them must compete so often for roles. So I, yeah, it's 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 a hard one to imagine. I think that the interesting thing, of course, about this X Men universe at this point, we've had so many different timelines, and we're only just getting to Apocalypse, which could introduce whole other realities and all sorts of craziness, and. We just saw psych. Uh, sorry, we just saw Colossus and mm-hmm. Negasonic Teenage Warhead, yes. who haven't been introduced in the X Men films before. They could easily be added down the line, not to Apocalypse probably, because I think it's a bit too early for them. But well, obviously, Colossus has been in. Colossus yeah. has been in, but this this Colossus. This Colossus. Been. Well, this um, this is this is my theory. As I put to Ryan Reynolds, and he accused me of overthinking it. But my theory is, and go with me here, uh-huh. okay, that this movie, Deadpool, takes place. In our world, our world, where we exist in this world, you, me, maybe not John, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> everybody, 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 <laughs> and so do the X Men movies. So Brian Singer's X Men movies, Hugh Jackman exists in this world. So does Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, which mm-hmm. is why uh, Deadpool can say that line to Colossus. I'm taking to see the Professor. Uh, which one, Stewart or McAvoy? These timelines are so confusing because yeah. he's referring to the X Men movies, which are based on the X Men who also exist in this world. So it's not quite our. It's all turn to the world, but anyway. So that's that's my theory. It's not a that's great my theory. theory. It's a very good theory. I mean, it so holds this means up. There are now three worlds because there's the X Men universe, the Deadpool universe, and then actually our universe. No, 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 uh, no. Yes. Because the X Men universe is a world within our world. That it's it's, it's a made up world within our world. So, that, so there's only two worlds. But, but, no, 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 no. Well, the Deadpool universe is still made up. No, no, you know no. that, right? Okay, so we're we're <laughs> Earth six one six, right? So okay. this movie takes we place in in six one seven. All right, I'm just you know assigning it a random number. Okay. But so it's our world, but with one quirk: mutants and the X Men exist in that world, and in, in this world, that's a pretty big quirk. It's, just go with me, Helen. And in this world, Hollywood has gone. Oh wow, hey, we've got mutants and superheroes running around. Let's make movies of them. Who can we get to play this bald guy who runs the X Men? Patrick Stewart, who exists hey, well, in this world. That's a great idea. Uh, Hugh Jackman can play the Wolverine, and everyone's gone, but Wolverine in real life is five foot three. Don't worry, we, you know, no one's. It makes perfect sense. I, I feel it like. It makes perfect can sense. Can someone get Chris a cup of warm milk and a blankie? <laughs> I'm not overthinking this. I think, you need, your, <laughs> I think you need your Inception totem just to <laughs> double check you know where you are, Chris. Why won't, no one, why won't no one believe me? This is perfect. This is perfect sense. Anyway, so. Anyway, it, but this. What I'm so saying, this yeah, which is why you can have a different classes. That's yes. what I'm saying. Okay. Because okay. the Colossus in the films is an actor played by Daniel Cookmore. But this is the real Colossus. Okay? It's definitely or not due to some contracts negotiations. Definitely not. Or... <laughs> <laughs> He's gone full joker. But, I mean, you know, Apocalypse is set in the 80s. Uh, this is clearly m- something modern day-ish. So, actually, there's 20 years between the two. And as we all know, all of the X-Men films previous to that, apart from Days of Future Past, were completely written out of existence mm-hmm. last time. So, mm-hmm. um, so it doesn't have to match up with anything except... You know, maybe but is the is the initial Deadpool in Wolverine Origins? Is that not a problem? No, it's well, written out of existence. That's wiped out as well. Mm-hmm. How far back do we wipe out? Like a long time. It would seem so. Yeah, but how far? Uh, to nineteen sixty-three, and then everything's fine after that. Yep. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So. It is. Kind of. Kind of is. I mean, that's be honest. It's not though, is it? That's be honest. Isn't it the seventies we start again? Maybe. Let's be honest. Until Simon Kimberg and Brian Singer came back to the franchise, no one was keeping track of this stuff. Well, <laughs> and and I think Simon Kimberg in in the spoiler podcast for Days of Future Past essentially said that no one still is. Yeah, um, it's because if you think about it, then 
your brain explodes. Yeah, my brain is exploding <laughs> because the Wade Wilson we meet in X Men Origins Wolverine, if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is pre Wolverine being turned into Weapon X. Again, we'd have to go back and watch the film. Which I'm not wait, no, thanks. No, thanks. Which, which means it's early seventies, right? Or no, because no, because Wolverine hasn't been picked up. Oh yeah, by Stryker because the, then in days of Wolverine Pass. goes. No, but we see mm. them in Vietnam, don't we? Mm. Mm. Or thereabouts, and this is pre-Vietnam. Okay. Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh wait, it was That's after that. First class. Damn. Days of Future Past seventy-three. Seventy-three. You're right. That's at the end of Vietnam. Yeah. It's all very confusing. It's all very confusing. Stop making it up as you go along. Have a big wall chart, guys. That's the best way to do these things. <laughs> I yeah, need an infographic. Put a, ba- put a, put a crown of dicks <laughs> on someone and uh, some pieces of red string. You could put fine. a crown of dicks on any character in the X-Men universe. No, that's not what I have written down. <laughs> um, but you talked earlier early on, Helen, about um, getting the, the, the tone of this character absolutely right. Mm. And uh, I think you're, you're, you're right. This does it. I think Ryan Reynolds is absolutely born to play this character. Uh, it's one of those Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. situations where it almost... I'm not saying Ryan Reynolds is psychopathic in real life, but he gets the sense of humour. He is the sense of humour. He's very of, of quick Wilson. and very funny. He's the kind of guy, he, he's talked about this in interviews in the past, when he goes to karaoke, which we all did last week, uh, but when he goes to karaoke, he inserts random swear words into the middle of songs, like Wilson Phillips songs, not, you know, Beastie Boys songs or something where it would fit. And that's kind of the attitude you want for Deadpool, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. He gets creative swearing. Yeah, he's he, he could almost be Irish. He could, I mean, and that, and, and you know, compliments don't come a lot higher than that. His uh, swearing is so shit swillingly creative. He's, he told you on uh, last week's podcast that he came up, he ad libbed a lot of his lines, right? He he was sort of wrote his own dialogue for a lot yeah. of the swearing. So shit's back up up at fart, which is yeah. just one of my favorite lines of the year, just hands down. Uh, and uh, is, tiny hands? is is his yeah, with tiny hands like a KFC spork, <laughs> uh, like David Beckham mouth fucked a can of helium. I mean, it's just, this this film is full of quotable but ear muffy, <laughs> ear muffy lines. I have to say, I think the the, the scene between uh, Deadpool fi- Deadpool fighting Colossus on the bridge is the f- one of the funniest things I'll see this year. You, you c- Bonafide comedies will have to work very, very hard to be funnier than that. Uh, the bit where he <laughs> where he, he pats Colossus on his crotch and goes, Dad. Then he punches him in his crotch and goes, Oh, your poor wife. <laughs> Just destroyed me. Absolutely destroyed me. So I want to see more of that in a sequel. You I want, want to, see, to see more want to see of Colossus' crotch. Chrome cock in... <laughs> in a crown of them. <laughs> a crown of chrome cocks. Uh, this podcast is rated R. <laughs> We've gone full red band. Um, but yeah, I just want to see more of that interaction with other superheroes because Deadpool is someone who does not respect reputations and I think that could be really fun. True. Uh, but anyway, going back to the idea about him nailing the character and nailing the tone. The end of the movie just uh, rammed home for me just how how perfectly this movie got this character. Because uh, just do you remember the furore at the end of Man of Steel? when Superman kills General Sod and it was completely against character, blah, 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 blah. And this movie goes the other way. It has a character trying to persuade Wade Wilson not to kill the bad guy and then he just goes ahead and kills him. And that just felt perfect to me. It's, it's almost part of you going, weirdly rooting for your main character to shoot this guy in cold blood. I think one of whether it's a strength or a weakness of the movie... The bad guy is irredeemable on a number of levels. <laughs> so what do we make of the rest of the characters in the film? Because obviously Deadpool does does dominate. 
Mm. But uh, did we like uh, Ed Scrine, Screen Ed Scrine as uh, as Ajax, Ajax, I think <laughs> Ajax of Amsterdam? I think, despite what I just said, I think he has a role, like a, a plot role to fulfil in the film, which is to stand there and be a bit evil. And that's all he has to... <laughs> and no, genuinely, that's all he has to do. There's a the little bit with him having something in his teeth, which almost is a comedy beat for him. But basically, he is meant to be there to be just straight and horrible and give Deadpool something to bounce off. Mm. And in that sense, he does well. Is he going to go down as one of the great villains in history? 100% never. <laughs> However, you know, as a as a kind of plot role, I guess he does okay. I think often in superhero movies, you want a villain that's as big, if not bigger, than the superhero. And in this case, maybe you don't. I think yeah. Deadpool is too big a character I agree. to have a, a, an even bigger villain because... There's too much going on with this this hero, and and he also he's not essentially a hero. I mean, he's an anti-hero. So, you know, it's like you, you don't want a good versus evil because he's not exactly good, is yeah, he? I agree. I mean, he was the important thing about him. He he seemed like um, almost an insurmountable challenge for a long time. He was, you know, difficult to hit with a with a with the bullets. He yeah. was. It looked like you know, I'm not. I, I am sure Deadpool's going to win here, but. <laughs> You know, we're, within the confines of the film, I thought that possibly, like you know, Deadpool might not win, and that that is what he needed to be. Yeah, mm. I think uh, I did have a bit of a sort of a logical problem, I guess, with um, his abilities in the sense that just because he can't feel pain doesn't mean his muscles should still be working. <laughs> yeah, you know, he may not feel anything, but wouldn't his lungs still be filling with blood from that sword yeah. through the shoulder? Yeah. So, you know, I had a little bit of a kind of, hmm, it's the same reaction thing, yeah, to some of that. I have the same problem with fast-running zombies. It's like, if yeah. you snap your Achilles tendon, it doesn't matter what happens. You, you're not going anywhere. Because you won't be able to move your leg, and I, I kind of was feeling that he, he gets an, he gets like an axe. I mean, Deadpool obviously can heal, uh, which is a, a bit of an Achilles heel of the character in a way that like he can take so much punishment. I mean, he, although it does lead to very funny moments when he gets stabbed in the brain and hallucinates all those cartoon <laughs> characters. But you know, so you have an unkillable hero, but you also have a bad guy. You can just shoot him in the face, mm-hmm. and which he does obviously in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I was slightly disappointed with the uh, the. The, the the lack of character from the yeah. from the bad guy. Um, I thought Instagram was was perfectly fine, and the fight at the end was was great. But they just needed a little bit more work on the actual yeah, maybe character. So. Uh, Gina Carano as well didn't get much to do. No, um, there's the nice couple of moments between her and Colossus, but otherwise it was a bit of a nothing <laughs> henchman. Um, the, the closest bit was really good though well when he uh, when she comes uh, uh, untethered untethered <laughs> yeah, yes. she has say. a wardrobe malfunction you are a very beautiful woman <laughs> I thought actually the best character was the taxi driver I didn't think it was the best taxi <laughs> but I thought like, he hasn't been mentioned anywhere just, yeah no that was that was a nice little beat although the idea that he would come back to pick up a passenger again who previously paid him with a crisp high five um, seemed a little far-fetched. I mean, that's just how important a crisp high five from Deadpool is. I think you'd come back for another. I would actually go back for a crisp high five, yes. Yeah. Well, Deadpool changes the course of his life. Maybe not for the better. <laughs> what, does he Does he die at the end? What happens? No, he's, he doesn't die. He, his, no, he drives off. He crashes, though, doesn't he? He crashes uh, with his cousin... Yeah, who is in the boot? In the boot, and you get the impression his cousin's been badly wounded at least. <laughs> but uh, Dopinder's going to go to prison for a very, very long time. Maybe he won't. Maybe he will explain that he was giving his cousin a, a lift, and that his cousin has a fetish for riding in the boot. 
I think his cousin might say otherwise. But his cousin is badly injured. Maybe he can't talk anymore. Uh, so you're actually rooting for his cousin to die? <laughs> no, no, that would be wrong. Helen, you're sick. Kidnapper. <laughs> I love that sequence. Yeah, I, I, I think that sums up the differences between Deadpool and other superheroes. I, I've already seen a sort of supercut, a, a, a gif or a gif, if you will, on the internet of superheroes flying and swinging through the city, and then Deadpool in a cab, <laughs> <at the> <laughs> uh, which I really like. Just you know, just some of the man lives in a. Let's be honest, a a shithole as well. It may have IKEA, but it's a shithole. Uh, and he just he just he feels very different to me than than most other superheroes. Yes, not me. No to Johnny. No, just another run of the mill. <laughs> there is there is one thing that many many superheroes seem to have in common, and that is they can all sew really well, mm. like with heavy duty fabrics, which they somehow find at their local haberdashery. Mm. Um, so I guess he has that in common with, say, Spider Man. But I feel that in um, an X-Men uh, Marvel universe, there is probably something like a, and so certainly a small industry set up to, so you go in with your, and sure. pick out swatches. And so it's a sort they, of a Kevlar haberdashery. Yeah, because okay. I mean, we don't have that. Or maybe we do. I can't remember what Chris's theory is about what universe we're living in. So six we one, don't have We're that. in 616. They're in 617. So in 617. Yeah. Then possibly right. that industry has sprung okay. up where it hasn't here. Wait a second. If we're in 616, that means that superheroes live in our world. So we're not, no, we're we're not, not in 616. We're 61. We're 6. We're 61. Okay, we're 617, and this movie takes place in 618. <laughs> I, I've got some questions here, very, very quickly. Let's do that. I've got some questions. This is from Amon Warman, who says, Which other superheroes, past or future, would you like to see R rated cuts of? Who would you like to go see? <laughs> well, isn't Gosh. the point that not, none of them, and this is it's about the turn, isn't it? Are we asking this question sensibly? If we're we asking it sensibly, yeah. then this is the problem with... This is potentially a problem with all the different iterations of Superman. We've seen this is pro- uh, certainly a problem with uh, late 90s Batman, mm-hmm. that um, you know they lost what the tone of that character should be. And so this character works well as an R, but mm-hmm. potentially you know other ones wouldn't, although we have already uh, talked about Wolverine being yeah, a hard I R. Think, I think Wolverine could be... Um, I, would I think the Wolverine should have been. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely on that. Uh, it's a character that that there have been Wolverine Max comics. There have, you know, I think we should, add, you know, you should absolutely just go all out with that character. Uh, it's it 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 it's always felt not all out, but yeah. you know, it's always felt a shame to me that his claws have felt slightly sheathed. Yeah. Throughout, the, throughout yeah. the movies, um, but it, it, it's a very interesting point because um, already overnight there was a confirmation that uh, a new R-rated version, hard R, super hard R uh, version of Top McFarlane's Spawn is is on the way. But we should also consider that this is not. I mean, this is this is not a revolutionary film. This is not the first time there's been an R-rated superhero film. As anyone who's seen any of the the Punisher movies will know, including a spectacularly violent He's Punisher Warzone. He's a vigilante, but it's not like yeah. this is a complete game changer in that way, nor is it a game changer, as James Gunn pointed out, in terms of humour in superhero movies. Definitely um, not. Because people are now acting as if there's never been a funny superhero film before. And James Gunn, the writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is hilarious, quite rightly took to the internet yesterday went, hello? <laughs> hello? Hi, you guys. You, you could trace a line, perhaps, between Guardians, which mm-hmm. is a film based on a comic book that nobody... Uh, reads uh, Deadpool's a much much more successful character um, that coming out and doing incredibly well because it was funny and entertaining and Deadpool being 
Greenland. Exactly. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, obviously, we know it's because of the test footage uh, as well. But I'm, I'm sure Fox looked at that and went, oh, hang on, there might be something in this. Although nobody was expecting this. All right, more questions. Uh, Simon Johnson says, reports of Deadpool's a budget close to 60 million. Is this a signal for big studios to be more frugal with high-profile films, or is this an outlier? I think uh, there is something to be said for trying to make some slightly more mid-budget uh, superhero movies, which there have been. Um, I think the first Captain America was pretty cheap. Um, relatively speak, relatively. Oi, how dare you! <laughs> don't even, don't even come at my cap like this. All right, no, not, the no, one. no. Anyway, um, so I think there is something to be said for not always trying to up the last one in terms of action and so on, and that's something that you'll hear writers and directors talk about a lot. We don't want to, you know, um, okay, I'm talking about Captain America again. We don't want to try and make a bigger explosion this time we want to have more character development we want to have higher emotional stakes and there is something to be said for that and I think they should go for that more I, I think it is an outlier in a, in one sense you pointed this out in your review Johnny that um, probably it's uh, <laughs> it's it's an unusual superhero movie that does not try to save the world it's got yeah. fairly low stakes I mean yeah. The stakes really are, I just want to get revenge, kill the guy who did this to me and save my girlfriend. You know, it's yeah. not, I, I've, I've got to save the world. And so you don't need, like, ridiculous CGI with an entire city being blown up. It yeah. can just happen on a car park or wherever it was. Which is great. And it and follows in nice. the footsteps of Fat Man in that way, which ended up with two people fighting on top of a toy yeah. train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the world, the world was not at stake in any way, shape or form. Yes, it does. Uh, but I also think this movie, the success of this movie, and I've seen some think pieces about this already, uh, puts to rest the fallacy that there is superhero fatigue uh, I've said this a long time I've said this for a long time in the podcast that if the films are good they will succeed which is why Marvel movies are, do so well uh, by and large they've been very very good um, and it's why perhaps Man of Steel which isn't in my opinion a great film did okay or even a good one at the box office <laughs> or a good one or uh, yeah or even an average one but if you if the films are terrible then yes people will get bored of them if they can which is why Fantastic Four flopped yes if they do well if they're great then people will go and see them yes it, it's <laughs> it's that simple <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here uh, some very very quick questions from Mark Fawcett one quick question he asked about the helicarrier yes now this question came into us last week and he said helicarrier how did that come about? As it looks remarkably like the Marvel films, was there some negotiations with them to get it in the film? Uh, so at the end of the film, the fight takes place on a massive ship. Uh, it looks to me like an aircraft carrier, but then I saw it again on Friday night and was looking specifically to see if it was a helicarrier. And you know what? That thing has turbines. Mm. Yeah, it does. That thing has turbines. So... Does it take place in Earth 619? Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. No. But I do, I, I do wonder, I mean, if is... Is that kind of thing included in people's licensing agreements? Well, here's the thing. I don't think... I think it's just close enough to a helicarrier to, for people to go, is that a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier? Mm. But noticeably, it doesn't have any S.H.I.E.L.D. branding. It doesn't yeah. look like the ones from the Marvel movies. It probably, perhaps looks more like ones from the, from the comic. Yeah. So I think it's just close enough not to, <laughs> not to uh, contravene any, any uh, legal arrangements but for people like us to go, oh, what does that mean? Or is it uh, this movie going, ha-ha, you and your, your shield and your helicarriers, that's all old and outdated and outmoded, and we're all about the new, man. Because it's, it's rotting. It's a rotting it pile is, of yeah. junk, isn't it? Yeah. So, so that clears that up. Yeah, it clears it up. It's uh, some smack talk from Deadpool. That's what I think it is. Right, that is it. Uh, wish we could talk a lot more about this film but time is against us as always uh, and that is it for a Deadpool supported special we didn't even mention Stanley. very funny cameo very good cameo very good cameo so that's done 
Well done, Stanley. <laughs> uh, join us every Friday, if you wish, uh, on the podcast for, for regular film-related fun. Our next spoiler special is likely to be Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, a movie whose heroes are likely to break all the walls. Uh, until then, it's goodbye from John. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Helen. Tiddly. It's goodbye from Johnny. Uh, goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to a fix a random crown of dicks to someone in the Empire office. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> right, Johnny? <laughs> See you next time.